Working Cows Podcast, Episode 203. Welcome to the podcast that gives producers a platform to discuss and share paradigm-challenging practices. Practices that have increased the effectiveness of their operation and the joy that their families have received from this lifestyle. Howdy, everybody. It's Clay Connery, host of the Working Cows podcast, powered by the Global Ag Network, here with another one of our Stoneville stories for you today. Uh, this is Stoneville story number two. We're joined today by Hugh Ingalls, or I had an opportunity to go and once again sit down at a kitchen table and uh, and just record some history and, and understand uh, some of the, the experiences and, and the challenges and the successes and just capture some of that history and receive some notes from people who've been inspired to do the same thing. And, and that's, that's a great thing. I think it's awesome. Hopefully uh, continues to see some, some folks around the country capturing some of the history of their region and some of their area and uh, willing to share some of that through this feed. If anybody wants to share their recordings uh, or if you need help uh, figuring out how to record, I've, I've helped a few people four, five, six, I don't know, start their own podcasts and, and I'm, I'm happy to help. Um, anytime, any subject you want to start a podcast on, pretty much I'd be willing to get help you get it off the ground and, and give you some pointers. So just reach out to me and, and we'll get you pointed in the right direction. But if you need help recording some history from your region with some of the people who experienced it and lived it, uh, I'd be love, I'd love to help you. And, and if you want to share it through this feed, I'd love to do that too. So, uh, just reach out to me and we'll get her done. But for now, uh, happy to share with you my interview with Hugh Engels. I guess where I wanted to start was how did your family come to be connected to the land that we're on right now? Well, maybe I should start at the beginning. Yeah, that'd be great. In the spring of 1908, my dad's older sister, who was 10 years older than he was, when she was 21, she came out here by herself to Homestead. Hmm. After she got located, she went back and got her mother. She filed on an adjoining piece of ground. You know where Charlie Weiss' place is? Yeah, where Roger is today? no. Okay. On down, down the road. Okay. Um, I guess I don't. South of that schoolhouse. Okay. That quarter. South of Royal Center? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That quarter was Charlie Weiss's. Okay. He was a land agent, so he located everybody around. Anyway, he ended up with some ground and went back Minnehaha County and brought my grandfather out here. He'd already homesteaded down there. They brought him out here, and that was in October of 1908, which was a cold, wet fall. They come out to, to Wall on the immigrant train with their stock and stuff they had. Got in a big flood down there on the Cheyenne River and eventually come up across with their teams and to where my grandmother and aunt were located and wasn't a tree in sight. <laughs> my granddad looked around and said, well, if the horses weren't so tired, 
We just turn around and go back. <laughs> did they? Did the Ingles, or were they, was it Ingles that were coming up then? Your grandma was an Ingles, or your your yeah your grandfather dad, was an Ingles, yeah. Yep. And so you said your your dad's sister was the first one to come out, and then she brought her her mom, your grandma, and then your grandpa came later. Yeah, that same year, but later in the year. Sure. Was it different, the same for women to file as far as it was the same? Yeah. Back then? So. Yeah. Gotcha. And were they from Minnehaha, Minnehaha yeah. County, which is Sioux Falls? Yeah. That's yeah. where they were. They, and they had homesteaded there? My granddad homesteaded there. And Beth and I were back there a couple of weeks ago to a family reunion. It was on the quarter he homesteaded. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And where was the the quarter they homesteaded here? Your your great aunt or your well, aunt, I guess, was that? Well, where was that at? Just the other side of Charlie Wise's place. Okay. Where the road goes east to the Opal Church. Okay. One of them was on the north side and the other was on the south side. Okay. After my uncle homesteaded the quarter up by the schoolhouse, she and my Aunt Mary, he and my Aunt Mary, and they, so my aunt and my grandmother swapped quarters, so they'd be, his, theirs would be close together. So my aunt had the one on the south side. And then later she filed an additional desert claim on the next two quarters to the south. What does that mean? What's a desert claim? I know that they they were required to plow up some little five or ten acre plots and build some dams and irrigate out of them. Hmm. And I can still show you one of the dams has still got the ditches out of it. Hmm. Most of them been farmed over. What was the what was the country like when they got here? I mean, you mentioned there wasn't a tree in sight. Not much for fences either. Oh. Probably no fences. No fences. <laughs> what was uh, what was required? Did they have to build a fence to homestead it, or did they build fences then? Or I don't remember about the fence part of it. They might have had the fences, uh, an area, but probably not the whole thing. Yeah, just a claim shack then. A claim shack. It would. Yeah. Be. Yeah. And they were they, living out here when they when they come out here. Uh, that first fall, they put up a tent, and my granddad and Uncle Charlie, that'd be Charlie Weiss, Claire's dad, they went to Sturgis and got a load of lumber and come out and build a 16-foot square house. Mm-hmm. Tents aren't too bad to live in in the wintertime. you got to keep the fire going. Right. <laughs> but they lived in that till they got the house built. Lived in the tent till they got the sixteen foot square. Yeah, the first winter. Mm-hmm. Later they moved somebody else's claim shack, another sixteen foot square, in and attached it to it. Okay. When I lived in it, there was two more little shacks hooked onto it for bedrooms. Sure. They moved in there. Yep. What was it? I mean, the trip to town to get the lumber was that a horse and a team and wagon? That would have taken quite a while, I would guess. 
because we're we're away from Sturgis. You'd think so. <laughs> Was are these some of these roads around here in in a rid, in the original spots like Stoneville Road and and some of those? Nope. I don't know when they were made enough to be called roads, but <laughs> I, I have some I have some township history when they built some of the roads and the bridges and so on. Sure. Of course, Faith was the closest town, but that was two years later. Right. It was 1910. <laughs> and we're nearly 40 miles from Faith here? Yeah, we call it 40 miles. Yeah. yeah. How did they get from, from down by Royal Center to here? What? Well, in 19... 19- 49, the guy that had this place had bought another place over by Sulphur, and it turned off dry, and he panicked and sold this one. Mm. My dad bought it. So that's the transition. Over the years, it's they've ended up with contingent borders. My dad and brother and I operated together both places, and eventually my dad... My dad turned it over to my brother and I, and he took that part, and I took this. Sure. And the part that your your brother had was where Rod is now? Is that right? No. Or where Tyson is? Where Tyson is. Okay. The the house up there that I guess nobody's living in it now. Okay. Where the the barn is. The white one. That was the... That was the home place. And then down where Tyson lives, when when my dad got married, they built a little house there for my grandparents. It eventually burned down, but that's where it was. That's where Tyson's house is. Hmm. So it's just down the road. What were what were some of your earliest memories uh, growing up out here? Um, did you guys have black cattle from the start, what what did they they brought stock with them? What yeah, they, they brought a little stock with them. I don't know just how many, not very many, I don't think. And my great grandfather had bought a Angus bull in Illinois in '95. So what they brought with them, I don't know. Yeah, not very many, I wouldn't think. Right, you remember having black cattle from the start? Yeah, but yeah. my memory don't go back only to about. <laughs> we're doing good <laughs> mid 30s right right and you grew up there uh south of royal center is that right yeah or east of there too east south and south east, and east. okay yeah gotcha the royal center the original royal center school set up here a mile west of the county road where you make that sharp curve to the south. That's where that schoolhouse sat. Mm. It wasn't that big at that time, but my grandfather and Uncle Charlie jacked it up with wagon jacks and put it on a couple of running gears and hauled it down there. Sure. And then it was added on to twice down there. Uh, my dad went to school there. Huh. And I went to school there to the same teacher. <laughs> where did she live? She was Mrs. Patterson from over there where 
Jim Viglius. Oh, okay. Okay. What were some of some of those memories from school, from from going to school and growing up there? Uh, did you go beyond eighth grade? Did you, you went to high school in Sturgis? Sturgis, yeah. Yep. And finished high school in Sturgis. I talked to I talked to Spud Lemel too, and uh, he he told me a little bit about you guys traveled back yep. and forth to school yep. together. Yep. When my dad went to school down there, I've got some history here that says that at one time there was twenty some kids in that school. Wow. Now they got them all in. Yeah. <laughs> and part of them are Negroes. Hmm. Or you know where Squaw Butte is. Yeah. It was quite a settlement east and south of there. Hmm. My first farm sale was a black family that sold out and was moving away. That's what you bought equipment from them? Uh, my dad bought a mower and a team of horses. Mm-hmm. Took me over there the next day and had me drive him home. <laughs> I was something over four years old. <laughs> but not much. Uh, do you remember those days of, of kind of a, a family on many of the quarters around here, or was that slowed down by the time? That really slowed down by then. Okay. Where I lived, and down where Rod lives, that was my uncle, my dad's brother. And then there was Uncle Charlie's place, and there was Simmons' place down the creek here, and the Janky place at one time. Hmm. They left in '36. That'd be the close ones. What was a what was a trip for supplies like? Do you do you remember how that worked or, out and uh, what or, that was uh, like? There weren't many of them <laughs> yeah. that I went on. I used to go to Faith for supplies when they were still driving teams. Why, you know, where you over there on the way to Faith, west of Faith, ten miles, there's a lone tree off on the north side. Mm-hmm. And that was that was where the town of I'll tell you in a bit. <laughs> anyway, there was a way station there, livery stable, and if they got a good start in the morning, they'd they'd go to Faith, get their stuff, and come back that far wow. and stay all night. And if they got a late start, they'd go that far the night before and then go to Faith and back the next day. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Edson. Edson is the name of the town. Edson. Mm-hmm. And livery stable. It was, it was, it was still operating in my earliest recollection. Hmm. And who would go? Your, your mom and dad together or, or just your dad or? I lost my mother when I was nine. Hmm. But we were, by the time, by that time we were driving cars, yeah. No pickups. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, we. I don't. I don't really remember any trips to town when my mother was living. Okay. I'm, I'm sure there were, but a lot of that I think I've blotted out of my mind. Hmm. But we used to go to Sturgis, where my parents, my mother's parents lived, and we'd go there on Memorial Day. And probably go, go to Faith. Only times I remember going to Faith was to the sheep show, and that was the same as the stock show now. Okay. Uh, 
or many trips to town. Yeah. Were supplies ever delivered? Not to my knowledge. Somebody, neighbors, probably combined trips, but... Sure. They used to trail. Trail stuff to Faith. For the sale? Stock to Faith, because it was the railroad come that far. Mm. They tell about trailing hogs to Faith. <laughs> I don't think you can move a hog anywhere, can you? <laughs> and later, later I know that some of them trailed sheep to Faith. Cattle, even cattle later yet, but my dad told about neighbors putting together a bunch of hogs and trailing the faith. Mm. So there was no stockyards there, or, or I mean, there was no sale barn there. No, there was stockyards, so right. So, and I talked to David Paul too, and he he told me about the commission, kind of this the commission man would come around and, and make deals for cattle and, and stuff like that. Was that similar? Yeah. Back in those days? Here. He was talking about Iowa. That didn't happen until in the 40s. Yep, and that's when he was talking about for the Iowa, Iowa in the 40s. It was the stockyards in Faith, and the sale barn come quite a little later. Sure. The cattle were trailed to Faith and then weighed at Faith? or Probably just sold by the head. Okay. Gotcha. I remember there was a buyer come out from Newell, bought some stuff one year. Uncle Walter, that's a, uh, my dad's brother, Rod's granddad, he tells about trailing horses to Newell mm. that they sold. Mm-hmm. Did this this place have sheep on it to start with? Like, did your dad ever run sheep, or was it just cows? Uh, it had sheep on it. Oh, we got it. Okay. This part of the place, I guess we never had sheep on. Just down the creek, we had sheep there at one time. Can you share with me any memories from your, you know, teen years through early married life or any any of the storms? When when were you married? Say that again. When were you married? Don't want to put you on the spot. 1950. In front of your wife. All right, you know that. <laughs> June 1st, I can remember. <laughs> So, uh, can you tell me about any of just kind of that time in your life of of uh, early early married life? And wasn't much wasn't much uh, social time. Roger's dad, Donald, Donald, lived over there. He was a bachelor at that time, so he spent quite a little time here. Some of the other further neighbors would come sometimes. We might go fishing down at the dam. And when I was growing up, we went to the Opal Church. Mm-hmm. Sit over there east of where the church is now, on the north side of the road, just just uh, just northwest of the cemetery. Mm. Yep. That, that's where that's where we went to church. Um, I I had some paperwork one time, but I I didn't keep it. Where my dad and my granddad on the other side, which was Viggs, where they bought the lumber for that church over there. <laughs> it was in a 
old house at home. I guess I was a little hesitant about taking what I wanted, but I'm regretting that now. Sure. Yeah. There were some newspapers. Mm. They were printed over here just south of my driveway. Hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah. Disappeared. Is it? Is it uh, the blizzard of 49? Is that one of the ones that was rememorable or remarkable? <laughs> right. Right before you got married? Yep. Were you running the place by then or... No, no. Your dad was still around. I was going to, sc- I was going to school. Well, it wasn't in '49. I got, I've got a story written about that. Okay. <laughs> I was writing some of the stuff down like that, but I kind of got stopped. I haven't got started again. <laughs> Were you guys on this place when you got married? We we moved in here when we got married. It was a little house here, 14 by 16, with a lean-to, kitchen lean-to on it. We started our housekeeping in, mm-hmm. and we added on to it in 59, I guess, when we got it filled up with kids. <laughs> when did you start selling bowls, do you know? My dad sold bowls far back as I can remember. Okay. Just kind of continued on from that. And the... Registration, I mean, all through throughout, or was there a process of getting into the registered side uh, of that? Or? I wasn't exposed to the registered part of it, of course, till early 40s. I've got some old papers of my dad's that went back further than that, I guess. But we only had a few edit. It wasn't a very big chore. Right. And we're back there again now. <laughs> Yeah, my dad always sold bulls, just private treaty. Okay. Yeah, I suppose the the bull sales have always been done at the ranch or private treaty because you guys, your bull sale was always here at the ranch. Yeah, we've we've modified our sales a little bit to where it's not strictly private treaty anymore. We have an auction. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a combination. When my dad was doing it, why... They were all the same price. And yeah, right. It was easy. Yeah. Have the cattle changed in your memory? I mean, the, the way they look, the size, oh my God, the shape. Yeah, they, I suppose they're supposed to be better, but maybe uh, maybe not. <laughs> they've, uh, yeah, they've changed. They've gotten bigger and more efficient. Bigger isn't always better. Right. At your female sale they had some stuff in the in the catalog about the pounds that have been weaned off of this ranch over the years as they've kept track of it was that an increase yeah an increased number of pounds weaned over yeah. the same number of acres was that yeah. because of efficiency increases or um genetics selective selective culling mm-hmm. you didn't always make the right decision but over the years it added up Right. How long were you doing that? The selective calling help. Well, we started with the what they call production records in '56, uh, I believe. Mm. And we started taking weaning weights and that sort of thing. And that's then we started the selective, and it works. 
Did you guys put up a lot of hay when you were a kid? Yeah. How was that done? Well, I remember cutting hay with a team of horses. Yeah. Raking hay. Uh, we didn't have a lot of cattle then. You had to put up enough hay for a couple of teams, saddle horses, and then raise some crop and the straw from that fed the cows. Hmm. Just filler. <laughs> and they were, were the, they grazed? Survival, survival of the fittest. <laughs> Yeah. Eventually, uh, along in the forties, when we started feeding some cake, mm-hmm. um, that wouldn't have been till about forty-nine. But didn't have any alfalfa. I remember, I remember cutting alfalfa with the team in a mower, just a little patch. My dad got started, and you, it's all hand work. You look, pitch the hay on the rack and. We did have a hay mile in that barn down there, mm. so we'd pull hay up there with slings. What was the sling like to pull the well, hay up? Well, of course, there was a track in the mm-hmm. peak of the barn. There was a couple of cross pieces. The slings were in two two halves, trip it in the middle and dump it. There was just wooden sticks with ropes on them that carried the hay. Saved a lot of pitching. So it would go up there, and then did you pitch it down into the barn itself? For the when you needed as you needed it, yeah. There, there was some hole, mangers? Or? There was holes above the mangers. Mm-hmm. One hole for each stall, horse stall. Right. And there was some, a couple of holes for the milk cows. If you, had any, if you had any better quality hay, well, the milk cows got that. Sure. Similar process, just cut it and let it dry and then uh, come by and, and throw it onto the hay rack? Yeah, we'd rake it in the windrows and then bunch it with a rake and pitch it on the hay rack. So there was a mound of hay out there that you'd drive by and throw it onto the hay rack? So you I, said, go ahead, I w- don't want to interrupt you if you were going to say something. Pardon? I didn't want to interrupt you if you were going to say something. Oh, well, the winter of 44, that summer, we, I mowed a lot of hay, and it was all raked it up, and then I went in there with a bucker and bucked it into big piles, kind of topped it off a little, never got it in a stack, and then we got three feet of snow and took a four-horse team on a, on a high-wheeled wagon and a couple good hard men to dig it out of the snow and haul it where you wanted it. And were you hauling it to the cows then? Get them through it? Yeah. Was that the tough winter, 44? Was 44 was the, one of the hard ones? Yeah. Yeah, we had three feet of snow and it didn't blow as much. So there wasn't any bare ridges or anything. 49, it blew off. Or you could kind of follow the ridges a little bit. Sure. It would be pretty... Debatable which one was the toughest. I suppose most people would say 49, so. Okay. More widespread. What, what about fires or droughts? Do you have any fires or droughts? Any specific things stick out there? Oh, 
I I had my share of prairie fires, I guess. Fighting, <laughs> of course, in the thirties, uh, it was dry, but I wasn't old enough to be real concerned about it. I remember the grasshoppers, and you couldn't see the sun for grasshoppers when they when they moved. They moved out. It'd be all right. <laughs> they were worse in other places than they were down there where we lived. Over. The Patterson place over where Tim Vig lives, they had to paint off the buildings and to close off the clothesline. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was that South Dakota's experience? You know, they talk about the Dust Bowl in Oklahoma. Was that kind of South Dakota's experience of that? Was the grasshopper? Grasshoppers kind of come on the tail end of that. Like I say, I, was, I wasn't responsible right. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Because were you born in 29? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Barely. <laughs> okay. So at, at the oldest you were in the 30s was 11 or 10 or 11 at the end of the 30s. So. Yeah. Gotcha. January 1940, I was still call me a 10-year-old. Because <laughs> my birthday was the 29th of December. Sure. How things changed. I mean, you got any thoughts about the, the, how things have changed as far as ranching ranching is concerned, or any of those? Uh, the just the different ways that we're doing things these days, or yeah, mechanized changed things. My dad had a twenty two thirty six International McCormick Deering. It was the only tractor we had at that time. To start with, and you had to be somewhat mature to swing the crank. <laughs> I bet. Uncle Walter had a he had a farm hole, and we worked together, so we kind of changed equipment and worked together all the time. What were the tractors doing back then? Was it all, all about making hay or putting up hay? Yeah, we did we did some farming. Yeah. Wheat, corn, what? Yeah, wheat, oats, barley, corn. Okay. I cultivated corn with team. <laughs> Where at? One row at a time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember a, a little field just east of my dad's house there, east of where Tyson did live. Mm-hmm. There's a little field there. It's crested wheatgrass now, but... I cultivated corn on that field with the team. Do you remember when crested wheatgrass came in? Kind of. That's when my dad planted that field there. Mm-hmm. And for years, you could see the tracks, the narrow front end and the white back end, because <laughs> it packed the ground and it grew better. Right. Yeah. For years, you could see those tracks. Huh. In the 30s there, when the grasshoppers was so bad to, I suppose it was the government made available grasshopper bait. It was sawdust treated with strychnine. <laughs> and we used to get that in 100-pound bags and spread it with an N-gate cedar. I had seen horses. My job was to drive the horses. I guess it was bad stuff. <laughs> we don't know. What, yeah, it's hard to tell what's good and bad anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Changes all the time. So you said that there weren't a lot of 
supply trips, um, was it big loads when you did get it of non-perishable stuff, or how was how did you what did you eat from day to day and store food and some of those things? And ate what you raised, right? And beef and potatoes and pork and sure, yep. My dad used to put pork down in the salt barrel mm-hmm. and can the beef. Mm. Like canned beef is pretty hard to beat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just saying something after you grew up eating it. Some people grow up eating something, they won't ever touch it again. But if you still like it after you grew up eating it, that must be pretty good stuff. But you go to some of these auction sales and somebody will bring some canned meat kind of a donation deal. Yep. And it sells. Right. Yep. It's, nope. it's something you can go grab out of the, out of the pantry mm-hmm. and eat it up and have it ready to eat in a half hour. Right. Somebody drops in, it's always nice to have. Mm-hmm. But we don't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Do you... Do you remember getting electricity and, and some of those things? REA didn't come in here after we was married, 51, 52. Mm-hmm. We, at home, we had a wind charger hmm. with batteries. and So we had, we had electric lights of a fashion. Start with, they were just 6 volt. There's a little steel tower on top of the house with a Wooden propeller on it and <laughs> charge the batteries. And you, you didn't use you didn't use the lights if you didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Just in the winter. <laughs> Just the, the wind didn't blow. <laughs> then we got thirty two volt. That was better. Then more more capacity. Sixteen glass jars instead of three. <laughs> what do you mean sixteen? Storage batteries for the electricity. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you said they put put pork down in the salt barrel. Was that like a ceramic crock then? or? Yeah, part of it anyhow. I can't just remember. Yeah. He had a, he had a, big, he had a big cone crock. Right. I remember somebody telling me one time that they, that was how they... Kept their pork, they'd cure yep. it, and then they'd put the, you know, like a layer of bacon, and then lard, and then a layer of sausage, and then lard, and then kind of alternate that way, so you had some, um, as you pulled it out of there. Yeah, with the salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pack it with salt. Raise your own potatoes. You got meat and potatoes. What else do you need? I got it. <laughs> Keep some chickens around for eggs and yep. stuff? Hell yeah. Fried chicken uh, every day in the summertime. Really? Well, uh, take it out to the field with you? Have it for lunch? or? Oh, uh, most times we had it at home. Okay. How'd you get good fried chicken nowadays? I bet. You got them so, so bred up to their drumsticks are all out of shape. Right. Did you bring in any... Um, yeah, any any animals kept around just for butchering, like like a chicken, a broiler chicken, or a, or a hog, or anything like that that you would bring in in the spring and 
Butcher in the fall? Um, there was always a hog. There's always some hogs ready to butcher. They had a derrick, three-legged, mm-hmm. and a barrel, hot water. They scalded them to take the hair off. Mm-hmm. That was a chore. <laughs> you had a good job of scalding the ones bad, but you had to in and out of that hot water if you got them too hot. My dad used to say to set the hair. I don't know what that is, but mm-hmm. made them hard. To, made them hard to scrape. Sure. Were those pigs born on the place? You always just had some pigs around that. that yeah. Yeah. Kept year round. My dad used to, used to raise quite a few hogs. I don't remember so many when I was a kid, but like the time he got up into the, the 40s, he was raising quite a few hogs, hauling corn in. We used to plant corn and then hog it off in the fall. Turn the hogs into it or? Pardon? Turn the hogs into it or, or what do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Finish them quick. <laughs> then in the 40s, what they... They hauled those hogs to the packing plant in Rapid City, and they they liked them big and fat because mm-hmm. they were using that lard for ammunition. Hmm. Uh, I remember the process now, but there was a demand for that fat. Hmm. They used it somehow in their mm-hmm. manufacture of munitions. Hmm. I've forgotten. Yeah. How? Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to look it up on the internet. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But people work together. Neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. work together, thrashing. And Has this place expanded since you took it over, or was it about this size? No, I just keep that. We just, it wasn't so big, it wasn't so big then. Mm-hmm. We just, we've added on to it, yeah. Gotcha. Was any of that... Connected to the 80s, or I mean, did it grow during the 80s then when as people were moving out? Or it was a big growth in the 30s, and I suppose in the 80s for me it was later than that, but okay. The 30s, those were people who had tried to homestead and hadn't made it, and so these abandoned claims were around. Do you remember how they how you would take over somebody else's? Oh, claim? some of them. They'd sell them before they left. Okay. Or they'd relinquish their rights to them. My dad filed on a relinquishment there across the road from where Tyson lives. The guy that homesteaded it relinquished his rights to it. My dad, now Charlie went to Rapid City to the land office and filed on when he was the day he was turned 21. Your dad. But there was a lot of them didn't get much for what they left. One family down the creek here, families had six girls, and I went to school with all but the oldest ones. But I remember we were coming out, we came, coming out from Sturgis, coming out from Newell, and out on the gumbo east of Newell, we met them. They had everything they owned on the hay rack. Mm. Mighty team. Mm. They leaving. They bought a little place in, on, in by Newell, and Made it. I suppose the irrigation was getting developed about that time. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Around Newell. Was that the reason why it didn't work for a lot of them, was trying to farm this country? 
didn't work for them? Well, there just wasn't enough acres right. in the original homesteads. Yep. Just wasn't. Even back then, 160 acres wouldn't. With the number of, especially with the size of those families, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this country's always been able to support a cow for eight or nine days per acre or something like that. <laughs> and not much more than that. Even back there when they, you know, they dried out and didn't have nothing, they still got together and had ball games. And I got pictures that homesteaders gave us that we had a ball team, ball game right out here south on this slot ground out south in 1911. <laughs> Buggies sitting around and people sitting on the ground talking and watching. And then there was those little piles of, Biscuits. <laughs> Wasn't nothing to cover them up. <laughs> it's too easy. I don't know if it's too easy to stay in the house now or what keeps keeps us from being so connected to our neighbors now. Do you have any? It's a shame. It's not as like it used to be. Yeah. It's, we're still all right, but we're more independent and think we can do it by ourselves. Even, well, even neighbors that... Maybe didn't always get along, but times got tough and people got in need. They forgot all of that. Mm-hmm. You know that my mother's folks were the Vigs. Right. I knew there was a connection there, but I wasn't. I, I'm, uh, I always, you know, I always say I think you need a P- PhD in genealogies to figure it all how it all fits together out here. You'd, right? you'd have to have something. <laughs> <laughs> Something a lot longer history out here than I've got. <laughs> well, like I say, my my aunt married Charlie Weiss, and one her younger sister married Charlie Weiss's younger brother. Right. <laughs> and you're the those two aunts were both Ingalls, right? Yeah. Okay, then two of Aunt Lizzie's daughters, Weiss, married. Two of my mother's brothers. <laughs> Vigs. Yeah. So Weiss brothers have married, or, yeah, Weiss brothers have married Ingalls sisters, and, uh, yeah, was it Weiss sisters have married Ingalls brothers then? No, or Vig uh, brothers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of overlap at the family reunions. Uh, it gets a little muddier yet. Yeah. Used to be a lot of double cousins. Right. I'll have to go back and listen to this just to straighten out what I said to, make, to remember what it was. <laughs> what was your favorite part of growing up here? I suppose part of it's the freedom and part of it's the not having to worry about what you're going to do. <laughs> you haven't been bored? <laughs> I hate that word. I hear these kids say bored, and it makes me angry. Yeah. What What do you mean by freedom? I don't know. When I was a kid, whether I knew what, what I was talking about. But you went to school, and you run up the flag every morning and said the Pledge of Allegiance, and Christmas time you had Christmas programs. <laughs> 
My concern is that there's a generation coming that don't know the history of freedom. Mm. They don't know. I think we're all right in our schools here, but in the urban schools, they're being taught the wrong things. Mm -hmm. They love in your country, they turn it the other way. I'm concerned about that. Oh, I don't know. You didn't. You didn't wonder whether you were going to go to Sunday school in church or not. It'd be pretty drastic if you didn't. Yeah, that decision was made for you. <laughs> yeah. In fact, there was a time they started having services over the old Opal Church. I guess they never stopped at that time. We used to go over there. In the morning and go up here in the afternoon. Mm. <laughs> that might have been a little much for grown boys, but we got to see our friends. Yep. Probably the only time all, all week you did see them. Right. Drive a car to church mostly? I don't remember. I got a picture in here. Yeah. Been driving cars to churches for a long time. Yeah. That's. 1931, something like that. Is that right? Before that. Before that. Okay. That's when that picture was taken, I guess. Yep. Yeah. That's the Prairie Home Church. Right. Are you in that picture? No. No. Glenn Haynes over the face. I'm bringing that to me one day. Oh, cool. I wasn't sure what I'd ought to do with it. Except preserve it. That's a neat. That's a neat picture. A lot of old cars there. Yeah. A lot of people packed into that church too. A lot of people packed around it. Yep. <laughs> yep. That would have been about the time that building was built. I think the plaque we got hanging in the entryway says 1931 to 1951, or 1931 to 1981 was the 50-year anniversary. So, pretty new building back then. The church, the old Oval Church, might have been. Might have been older than that, but I don't know that without doing some research. But it sat on ground that didn't belong to a church guy. Oh, he didn't go to church there, right? Well, I'm sure it evolved over the years. Sure. Who owned it when we built the church, I don't know. But later, the guy that ended up with it didn't have any... Desire, mm-hmm. and then they decided. They decided they want to. Guess they decided they wanted to get. Uh, so they owned the land where it sat. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't do it. Mm. That's when they ended up building where they are now. Sure. And they sold the old church. It sits down there. It vigs. Mm. Uh, like where Dwayne is now, or. Okay. Gotcha. Huh. They never did use it. Yeah. have to look for that. But it's still there. <laughs> but then, <clears throat> along in the, I'd say the early 40s, people kind of started migrating up here. I remember in, in church one day, I remember it very well. <laughs> one of the 
one of the fathers got up and said they were going to start bringing their family up here because they had a young folks group. Mm. And it kind of went from there, died out. And the one they wanted to revive it again is when they couldn't get control of the land and, and sure. decided to build. And that was probably in the 60s, you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Has there always been a group of people meeting at the Opal Church even, you know, before the 60s? Or did the- there was a period of time when there wasn't any. Right. Yeah. Because that's what I thought that, that some people that came from Prairie Home Church in the 60s had, had helped get that going again. Yeah. Then there was, there was a time when they shared the pastor, too. Hmm. One of these old pictures of Prairie Home Church, there's a, a, a picture of a guy on a bike. Or actually, there's quite a few bikes in that picture, but one of them was the pastor. And the story I've always been told is that he rode his bike from Bison. He'd come down from Bison to do the service. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, that's a long ways. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. That's a long ways, and, and I'm sure Bixby Road wasn't then what it is today. So <laughs> I wonder if. Are they identified? Not in that picture, but uh, um, Eleanor um, Johnson's the one who's, who tells that story. She probably heard it firsthand. I don't well, know. Well, when I was a kid and we were going up there, it was a pastor that came from Bison, but he had a car. Okay. Reverend McElwee, I think he married my parents. Yeah, I just when they dedicated the new building, I just found a a folder from when they dedicated the new building at Prairie Home Church and they had a list of all the pastors. I'll have to look back through and see when he was there. He's as far back as I go. Mm-hmm. I know there was some before that. I can't remember their names. Yeah, I don't remember any of the names, but I did look at that folder one time. Some of those guys were there for a long time. Well, Morris Eliasson was there. Good, good many years. Mm. In fact, two different terms. Mm. He was there when I was a kid. Well, he was at the Opal Church when I was a kid. And then along in the 50s, after we were married, we were going to church up here. And they, he came back and served at church for quite some time. Any of your kids go to school at Royal Center? No. No. I got to think, no. See, we're, this is a different school district. Okay. Oh, sure. Yep. That's this right. Is, yeah, Faith. Marine. Yep. So they all, did they all go to Marine then? Okay. Yeah, the township line is just, just south of here. Right. Not that it makes a whole lot of difference anymore, but right. they didn't have school down there after our kids got school age. I think their last years down there was in 51, 52. Sure. The last years they had school down there. But my my aunt that came out here first, Mm -hmm. before she was married, when the schoolhouse set up here yet, she rode a wooden wheeled bicycle (laughs) up there to teach. Wow. And I think... Her youngest, only surviving daughter, still has that. 
Oh wow! She, we made sure she got it, and she had it. She had it re fixed up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I haven't asked her about her. She, she was here for that reunion back east. Mm. She lives in southern Montana, Dillon. Okay. I guess she's the only, 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 only living child from that family. Mm. She was a little younger than I was, four years. Mm. She's getting pretty frail. One of the Yankee girls come from down the creek there of those six. I went to school with three younger ones of that mm-hmm. family. And one of the older ones taught me when I was in that school, when I was <laughs> in the third and fourth grade, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I got <clears throat> reunited with her a few years ago. She lived in Rapid City. And I went to see her a couple times a year. Mm. Now, here in the last year or so, she's passed away. Mm. She didn't remember all the naughty things I did when I was. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> did she, or was that, uh, was school like a half a day, or go there in the morning and be done around lunch, or you were there all day? All day. Yeah. Did you ride a horse there sometimes, or? I never did ride the horse. My younger siblings, some of them rode mm-hmm. one time. The Simmons is from down the creek here. They drove a one-horse buggy mm-hmm. cart. Mm-hmm. I walked. It was only a mile and a half. Okay. And in the wintertime, um, when, uh, Uncle Walter's family got in school, and he, he lived three miles away, so he... he He'd pick us up with his car when he went by. Sure. Um, there were a lot more schools in the country back then. There was a lot more schools in the country back oh, then. Oh, yeah. Squaw Butte, Sulphur, probably one of Fairpoint, uh, Royal Center, Opal, Marine. <laughs> and now, uh, of all those I named, Opal and Marine are the only two still going. And the next closest one is Atoll, yeah. which is... Quite a ways, probably 30 miles from Opal to Atoll, I suppose, or more, yeah. maybe more. <laughs> yeah, there's still still a few still a few alive that went to school down there, not very many. Hmm. Spud probably didn't come over. He was probably down at, Spud was probably at Opal, Spud Lemon. Is he probably at Opal? He went to, he went to Sulphur most of the time. Oh, right. Then yeah. after they... He was up here. They, they started was going to go to come up here to Royal Center, but they ended up uh, a school south of Spuds there, Lucerne. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, my dad was on the school board, and it had to be pretty tough. He didn't go to school. Yeah. <laughs> he used to, I remember him taking it to school with a team and a bobsled. <laughs> The 30s there. Wow. And he, uh, underneath a cow robe. Huh. Just a cow hide. Yep. Wrapped up. Get a couple of siblings in there with you and stay warm. But he didn't, he just didn't miss school. Yep. Now it doesn't take much. Nope. Sun goes under a cloud. school. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get snowed in at the schoolhouse? 
No, never did. There's always there the team and the sled. Yeah. Huh. Well, taking up an hour of your time, I appreciate it. I got more time than anything else right now. <laughs> that last statement that Hugh made is the truth. I mean, these guys have time and they're willing to sit down and, and to talk. And, and if you're willing to sit down and, and listen, they will share their stories with you. And there are lessons to be learned. Uh, you know, David and Spud are telling us, uh, you know, about what it takes to get started and, and some of those things. Um, Hugh is, I think, really, and he, he lives it, the community connection. He's even to this day at various community functions and recognized by the community for his involvement over the years and, and investing in your community and making it a better place. And so uh, just encourage you to take the time to go and, and learn from these founts of wisdom and and learn from them and and hopefully continue to pass on that kind of character and and knowledge and wisdom to future generations. So uh, possibly another one of these coming up next week on the Working Cows podcast. Not sure yet. Um, if not, I do have another episode ready to go. Uh, but we'll we'll see what direction we head, and we'll see you again real soon with another episode of the Working Cows podcast. We invite you to visit workingcows.net to subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher. You'll also find detailed show notes pages, resources from our guests, and the industry leaders who have influenced them. For more ideas on putting your cows to work for you in a more profitable way, tune in next week.